What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain one of the products i haven't talked to you guys very much about is our EGN Earth Grown Nutrients Daily Greens Mix. Now this was on its effort to put together absolutely everything you need from a micronutrient basis in a whole food format. So when you're talking about the antioxidants, we put in exotic nutrients like Peruvian purple corn, which is just off the charts with anthocyanins, which is the same thing you find in blackberries or acai berries. We have unique ingredients like camu camu, which is rich in natural vitamin C. We have detoxification ingredients like dandelion. We really put in the kitchen sink, including moringa and all of the green foods that are really nourishing and supportive to your mineral content and all the other micronutrients. We have gut health ingredients. We have the rainbow ingredients of beets and carrots to make sure you're rounding out your palate. I mean, this is the choice if you're not crushing a bunch of vegetables, if you're not crushing a bunch of exotic foods, you just add a scoop of this and you know your bases are covered. I mean, so many times I'll go to a steakhouse, you know, like I recently had dinner at at Mastro's with Joe Rogan and I had crushed a bunch of EGN, I crushed a bunch of power food and all I got there was the steak. I had a grass-fed steak and that was it because I knew that that would cover my, it was a ribeye, so it would cover my fat and my protein. And I knew that the EGN would cover my micronutrients. And I just wanted to keep it light that night because I had a lot to do the rest of the evening. And that's the advantage. You can know that you have all your vegetable and micronutrient bases covered. And then you can just like crush a steak or crush some turkey or, you know, have something else and really know that you're supporting yourself with both the macronutrients and with the EGN getting the micronutrients. So please, Go to onit.com slash Aubrey, check out EGN. You'll save some money. And as always, you can get the 10% off Onit products by going to onit.com slash Aubrey. Thanks, fam. Dr. Craig Conover is the doctor of the future. He's worked with thousands of patients. He has more tools in his toolkit than almost any human being I know. We cover a super wide range of topics. I think you guys are really going to get a lot out of this podcast. Dr. Craig Conover. Hey, How Aubrey. are you, my friend? I'm good, Aubrey. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. So to me, you represent the future of where medicine is going. Oh, well, thank and you. this is like someone who has their full MD yep. and uh, the repertoire of all the, you know, quite frankly, amazing drugs sure. that are available in the pharmaceutical form pharmacopoeia. Yep. But has the wherewithal and the intelligence and the knowledge about diet and nutrition and vitamins and supplementations and alternative therapies and plant medicines and all the other things that you can do right. so that you don't have to rely on those pills that go shaky, shake, shake yeah. in those orange bottles. Yes. 
Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I went to medical school and I met this uh, doctor. One of the first talks we had, this famous pediatrician in Philadelphia, he said, your job as a doctor is to recognize and learn who is sick and who is well. Mm. And I think the interesting thing about medicine these days is that most people are sick. You know, they're not truly sick in the sense that, oh, they're in the hospital, but they just don't get it, you know? And yeah. the doctors are pumping them full of, you know, oh, you have depression, we need this antidepressant. Oh, if that doesn't work, let's add two more. Oh, if that doesn't work, we'll add three more. And it's like medicine has stopped thinking. Well, let's take us, so take us through this, because, yeah. you know, a lot of things, I mean, I think we have some perceptions on how doctors really work and yeah. how it operates and how the the drug reps might influence. Sure. Like, like, take us through the traditional medical model. Sure. Like, what is it really like from the inside? Yeah, it's all pharmaceutical based. So yeah. medical school is dominated by the mantra of patient comes in with a complaint, the doctor is trained what medicine or which medicines I need to prescribe. And that's where it starts and that's where it ends. Mm -hmm. And there is such history in that, um, which is weird because if you think about it, we've only been using pharmaceuticals for a hundred years at most, a yeah. hundred years. So, you know, medical school, the first two years are hard sciences. So you're learning anatomy, biochemistry, physiology. Second two years, it's all about the medicine. How do you take a symptom, the patient comes in and give them a medicine. And if that medicine doesn't work, like I said, give them three more. And, and doctors have stopped thinking. And I don't, I don't fault doctors for, you know, people ask me a lot, why doesn't my doctor think outside the box? He just, ha he just hasn't been trained. He's been totally dominated by the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. Completely dominated. You know, what's really interesting, I highlight this in my book, and uh, I don't have the statistics right on front of me in the top of my head, but, you know, there's a great majority of conditions that are stress-related. Yeah. Right? And even doctors are willing to acknowledge that yes. the ma great majority of conditions are stress-related that, yeah. they, that they encounter. But very, very few give any counseling or any advice on any stress management techniques sure. and when they're polled and the actual results are in it's because most of them don't even feel equipped no. to talk to them about any stress management techniques it's no. like so okay you have something that you're aware of is a primary symptom driver mm -hmm. stress and doctors are even aware of that and nonetheless they're not going on their own and figuring out ways to handle and mitigate stress because they're probably not even doing it in their own life they're not you know and the, and they're and it's just an interesting paradigm in which we identify a problem but we're still relying on these solutions that are proving to be in many cases with the side effects and the can you know quality of life that's being caused by some of these prescriptions we're we're not making the shift no and the interesting thing if you look at um negative drug studies so these are studies the pharmaceutical industry or the pharmaceutical company does to see does the drug work or not. Negative drug studies show, no, it didn't work or it, didn't, it led to side effects, we didn't want it. Those are not published. And so when there's a doctor, he did a TED talk years ago and he looked at um, negative drug studies compared to positive drug studies for antidepressants. And what he found was it's literally a coin toss whether an antidepressant will work for someone. There is equal data that it won't and that it will. And, yeah. and that, that's terrible. You know, one of the doctors who's opening a ketamine clinic, Dr. Sanj, who's a psychiatrist who's, who's out here, was talking about even the way that they, even the arc of depression mm -hmm. as when it's been being treated by a pharmaceutical antidepressant, saying that, all right, it's showing maybe some short-term benefit in that first window, but it actually increases likelihood of like long-term depression. Absolutely. Whereas depression 
left on its own will kind of work its way through in its own cycle right this extends that it mitigates these initial symptoms but extends that to more of a lifelong you know kind of condition but we're not looking at these we're not looking at the right at the no, right shit at the, the right markers we're not and that's why like the ketamine clinics are now popping up right providing actual access to something that can shift the mind state in a, in a significant way and then you know i think we're both looking forward to that 2021 when the mdma clinics will right. come out and that data you know and shifting all that and then this then layer in the psilocybin that's going to sure. come online and then now doctors are going to have yeah all right all the tools all the little pills that go shaky shake right. little stop gaps little temporary right. ways to stop the flood and things right. you need a little help with and for sure there's not we're not saying throw all that out but now i have really powerful tools to, to drive cures not right. symptom management yeah but see that goes against the whole medical <laughs> model right we don't want to cure things it's 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 so driven by the pharmaceutical industry you want to cure things yeah well you know um we were talking earlier before we started i had a patient um this was probably 10 years ago and she was in her 70s diagnosed with cancer i don't remember what it was and she went she went to an oncologist started on chemo and i saw her back for follow-up like six months later with her grandson she was in a wheelchair you could see she had totally declined i said well what's the deal what's happening he said the oncologist says the chemotherapy is not working. Okay, so what's next? What's the game plan? More chemotherapy. And it's like, okay, like that's where we are. But, you know, you talk about cortisol. What I find fascinating and where I think doctors fail is because they stop thinking. Like, we can literally measure these markers like you're, you're talking about in terms of cortisol levels mm -hmm. and how, that, how we modulate that in the brain and the body to lead to effective change for people. So that you can actually help bridge them to a better place a hundred percent and not not only you know testing and all these things even breath work even like sure. you know six deep breaths in a japanese study was shown to lower blood pressure yeah right like you you go to the doctor and you have high blood pressure do they yeah. even mention breathing of course not you know but the study's there the data is there right. it's just that's not anything that has well, a, has a price tag but but also we are so driven by this you know pharmaceutical model everything's got to be studied and tested right like we're so data driven like but if you look at all of these modalities in health we weren't relying on you know oh does ashwagandha work we know it works because people have been using it for thousands of years mm -hmm. licorice root was found in egyptian tombs from three thousand years ago right yeah. why is that well they're not taking licorice root because of the taste and taking it to the afterlife they're taking maybe it for they are maybe maybe they are craig you well, don't know have you been in the afterlife well do you know do you know well, have you I'm met anubis <laughs> no you don't know <laughs> but, but what i'm saying is they're probably taking it for the healing properties of 100%. that herb right and so to ignore that and say oh well, it hasn't been studied you know we haven't put it up to a test versus prozac so it doesn't really work even when we have i mean there's really good studies on comparisons between 5-htp and antidepressants yeah. and valerian and anti-anxiety right. meds right. and showing comparative results in double blind clinically tested studies yeah but still those are just kind of largely ignored they Even are ignored. though 5 htp when you look at the side effects of 5 htp you're looking at a whole lot of nothing a whole lot of nothing That's and then exactly you're looking right. at antidepressant side effects and you're looking at laundry well, homicidality list. suicidality right. um erectile dysfunction erectile dysfunction like uh well maybe you try one first like do the least harm with mm. potentially the same amount of benefit yeah and it's just a, a really weird time that I think it we'll is. look back. Because you look back in the old days and you look back at leeching people from their blood yeah. and you look at lobotomies where they would stick an ice pick Drill in a hole in somebody's yeah. eye and like electroshock therapy. And you're like, 
wow, we were barbarians then. And I think we're going to look at clubbing people mm-hmm. with these pills over, over and over again in the same barbaric way, spiritual barbarism rather mm-hmm. than physical barbarism, mm-hmm. that we look back at those things now. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, it's, it's getting out of control. But I think the good news is I think people are waking up to this. I think, I think people as a whole, our society is saying, I, I don't want to be on four medicines. You know, I'm tired, I'm overweight, I'm depressed. But that's become the norm. You know, like if you look statistically, greater than 50% of Americans are overweight, tired, depressed, and taking at least one pharmaceutical. Mm-hmm. Like that, how is that working? It, it's not working. And I, but I, I think the good news is people are starting to wake up and saying, there's got to be something different, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and there is. And that's, the good news is that we're not in a hopeless condition. There's lots of different things that work and lots right. of different ways that we can kind of look at all the major systems. Right. I want to circle back. You mentioned cancer. Are you familiar with uh, Travis Christopherson's work, The Metabolic Theory of Cancer? Somewhat, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the evidence for a restricted ketogenic diet, Mm -hmm. hyperbaric oxygen Mm -hmm. in the treatment and mitigation of cancer, I mean, there's pretty significant data Mm -hmm. coming out just from dietary change and, you know, the utilization of oxygen to rehabilitate the mitochondrial cells. Sure. Which are, you know, one of the big fail points when you're talking about most of the different cancers and not just can't i mean if you're talking about mitochondria you're talking about pretty much every big back diagnosis now from dementia cancer diabetes heart disease um that's where the research is going so when whatever the condition i mean i think that first step like all right try that let's try the rkd you know like right. try to switch your body over to ketogenic right. and see if you can support your mitochondria in a in an intelligent way like what what is, you know, if you were going to start layering on, mm-hmm. right, from the ketogenic diet, mm-hmm. hyperbaric oxygen, what are some of the other ways that people can support mitochondria in, ge- in general that you kind of look for? Yeah, I mean, I think the ketogenic diet is foundational, right? Mm-hmm. So you're supplying fats for fuel, you're making your mitochondria more efficient. I think uh, certain nutrients stand out, like coenzyme Q10, you mm-hmm. know, the B vitamins that people fail to what get. What do you think about the ubiquinol? Yeah, I'm not, I, I'm never bought into like ubiquinol versus ubiquinone. I just, I think, you, you know, CoQ10, you, people unfortunately don't have the time to understand all those differences, right? Like, I think it's just mm-hmm. easier to take CoQ10 okay. and, and go with that. Get it in. Yeah, get CoQ10 in. Kind of like how Wim Hof talks about breath. Doesn't matter which hole, just yeah, get it in. <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, the most, I, th- I think the most exciting, the most profound way to alter mitochondrial, the dynamics of the mitochondria is the NAD, NAD+. Um, the nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide, the B3 vitamin derivative. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much data now. So NAD is the rate-limiting substrate for which our mitochondria makes ATP. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cool part uh, is that when we give people NAD, and this is this is where all of anti-aging is going to, is when we give people NAD, we increase the NAD to NADH ratio. Mm-hmm. That stimulates mitochondrial fission, which uh, increases mitophagy or you know getting rid of effective mitochondrial DNA. Mm-hmm. So you're basically cleaning house. Now the tough part is, I was just reading this the other day, is um, the, the two cells with the highest concentration of mitochondria are the neurons, the nerve cells, and the heart cells. And it's estimated that one neuron has 20 million mitochondria. One neuron. Wow. And to c- keep up with those mitochondria, we have to make 30 to, 30 to 40,000 new mitochondria every single day. 
So if you put it in that perspective, like this is a big challenge for us, right? Yeah, I mean, this is a this is an, a battle of energy. It, it's all energy, right? As you, know, you know, this it's is, all and, and energy. When the bo- and I think that's one thing we forget to realize: like the body is an ener- energetic machine. Yes. And when it runs low on energy, it doesn't have the fucking fight in it. There's nothing it's left. A, there's nothing left. It, does, right. it can't beat the cancer cells as they grow. It can't beat you the can't. degeneration. It can't beat. So supporting our cellular energy system at a core level is v- paramount. 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 And so this is what I'm excited about. Is and, and it, not just NAD. I mean, there's other things: uh, caloric restriction, intermittent fasting, ketogenic mm-hmm. diet. They're all you know, cold therapy. They're all striving to do the same thing to the mitochondria: increase mitochondrial fission, get rid of the bad mitochondrial DNA which then stimulates mitochondrial fusion, which is making you know big, bigger, better, more efficient mitochondria. Yeah. Um, relating that to the, you know, you're in the fitness industry, um, what's interesting is if you get someone to mitochondrial fission, they will then make less ATP, and then you have them go do a intense workout. Well, now their muscle has to work harder in an environment with less ATP, so it has to work harder. So you'll actually become more efficient at building muscle when you're in mitochondrial fission. And so that whole, you know, you can take this so many different directions. And that's yeah. what's so exciting about the mitochondria. Training is another way to support your mitochondria as well. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's something I talk about in my recent book as well. Like exercise is a fucking miracle drug. Yeah. It is a fucking Number miracle one. drug. Like, what do you want to treat? What do you want to treat, everybody? Hey, everybody, you want to treat yeah. something? Hey, guess what? Exercise is going to help. And it doesn't matter what exercise. <laughs> really? You just got to move. Matter. You don't have to go to a fancy ass gym like we have here yeah. on it. Yeah. You just got to move you don't your have to damn lift body. Weights. That's right. Now. You just have to move. You know, yeah. go fucking swimming, go run around, go yeah. play, go have, you do something. Yeah. You know, take the minimum effective dose of the miracle drugs right. that we have available. Well, I tell people, what did people do thousands of years ago? The vast majority of their exercise was just walking, right? Every now and then they ran hard at mm-hmm. something or from something. Every now and then they had to lift a heavy object. Yeah. But the vast majority was walking. We don't even do that anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And that is foundational, yeah. you know? It gets it gets really, it's like we're, we're skipping ahead to these very dangerous, you know, stopgap implements, you know, mm-hmm. like like these pills when we're not even doing just the very base level of the pyramid. Like if we were going to, you know, like they had that old bullshit food pyramid. If you have the the actual true health pyramid, yeah. you know, you're talking like, all right, well, how about some sleep and some exercise and yeah. some sex and some sure. sunlight and some water? Right. And then let's let's start there first. Okay. And then maybe some stress management, some mindfulness, you know, some breathing, learn how to breathe. Right. Right. Let's do that. And okay. And then let's layer in the nutrition. All right. So let's stop this fucking mad carbohydrate sugar yeah. metabolic ping pong that's right. wearing ourselves out right it's just like a mat like the, the way to think about that kind of metabolic ping pong when you're taking in all of these carbohydrates and all these sugars is think about your body it's like you're folding increasing it over and over again every time you make that swing you're just wearing yourself out sure you know? you're like completely wearing yourself down but you asked initially like what's what's up with the medical model and at its core it's fear Right. And you, you talk a lot about fear. And, mm-hmm. and I think that is the fundamental issue. You know, doctors, the healthcare system promotes fear. Right. So we teach people to be afraid and we do not promote abundance and love and nurturing. And I think that's where it starts. It's very true because there's always something. I mean, you Google something and what you get back is 
terrifying. Scary. scary. I, have Terrif- a, I have a rash in my hands. This yeah. means I could have this rare cancer. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> I mean, I hear that all the time from patients. Like I Googled this. This is what's going on. Do you think this is going on? I just did a survey of my patients just a couple weeks ago asking, you know, what are your fears? What are your goals? Number one was people are afraid of cancer. I mean, it's, yeah. it's fear. That's where like reading that book, The Metabolic Theory of Cancer, was so reassuring for me. Yeah. It completely shifted because I've had a few people in my family die of lymphoma. Mm. And so, you know, when my glands get swollen and I'm fighting something off, you know, there's that little fear response sure. like, oh, don't want to be like Uncle Craig or, right. you know, like my, my grandpa or, you know, something sure. like that. But then reading the book, I was like, all right, if I do, then that means we're going RKD, I'm going hyperbaric. You know, they talk about some other, you know, experimental drugs focused on mitochondrial rehabilitation. Sure. And I'm like, all right, we'll beat that fucker. But even beyond that, like if you were diagnosed with cancer, what you would do, I'm sure, which, because you get it, is you would reevaluate your life as a whole, right? Like that's what a cancer diagnosis is. It's It's a wake up call. And I think it means you, people have gotten to that point based upon fear, right? There's something underlying, whether it's relationship stuff, job stuff, things from their childhood that has been so ingrained in them that they're so far away from their authentic self mm. that they are just not in touch. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the, I mean, they've shown there's only one thing that's been shown to be helpful in every type of cancer and it's positivity. That's a really interesting thing too, because that's, you know, that's been shown and that's why we test for the placebo in every single clinical trial right. that's why the nocebo <laughs> does sure. harm and why the placebo does well that ability to use the mind yes. to send those signals to upregulate the the receptors for those positive endogenous chemicals right. and down regulate the receptors for the negative ones decrease cortisol allow your immune system to function right tell your body that hey body it's gonna be all right man yeah everything's gonna be okay. i mean worst case scenario you die and that's where it gets good right that's the celebration so <laughs> right if we started teaching right. <laughs> that and preaching that to people that's game changing of itself like people are so afraid of dying it's that true. they're afraid to be healthy that's fucking deep my yeah, friend yeah but it's true that's it's almost you know <clears throat> getting over your fear is is dying to that fear and this, yes. this idea of like dying to live you know right. i actually just released a poem today and i was because i was pondering this i was like what is our what is our purpose and our purpose well our purpose here is to love and die and i was like ah but the way to do that is to die first and then spend the rest of your mm. life loving like die to your fears die to your expectations mm-hmm. and your identity die to your name die to all of these things that we're defending and, and are causing all this fear and in a way surrender so that we can become who we really are which sure. is life expressing itself physically which is love expressing itself physically right right but you know what you just said that'll never ever be talked about with a doctor or in any sort of medical education right and and then we promote doctors as the kind of purveyors of health well they're not anymore mm-hmm. they're just not the medicine's not about health right medicine's about fear of disease it's totally different and so the way i look at it because i see the world from a, more of a biochemical lens is well the one of the ways to build us build each of us up to be you know stronger and have a better mindset is to literally build us up with nutrients and exercise all these things that are just positive that you're just you know making your body your mindset stronger so that then you can enter into any sort of situation in a positive you know mindset framework yeah but that's we'll never get there in medicine what do you think 
I mean, it's not that the doctors are bad people. They've probably just been, they've been awash in their own fear system. Absolutely. For, you know, for so long that they're probably abiding by the same thing. I mean, doctors are going to other doctors. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like these doctors are like, oh, I'm going to give the people some of this bullshit, but, you know, I'm going to go see my spiritual guru for my own health. Fuck no. Fuck no. They're going no. to their other specialists and their specialists are going to the other right. specialists and and it's a self reinforcing system. Yeah. Yeah, and and so that's why medicine's not how we'll ever make change. You know, medicine is and and like you said in the beginning, we got some awesome drugs, right? Mm-hmm. But those drugs are really for critical things, you know, yeah. and you know what I like to think about how I help people is I have more tools in my toolbox than most doctors, right? Like I just do. Like yep. I've been in the intensive care unit and had to help people who are literally dying. Yeah, that requires some high-tech drugs. But if I really want to get someone well, then it's all about mindset and it's all about nutrition and exercise. That's It all comes down to that. Mm-hmm. So, and And what have you done to help educate yourself in that? I mean, obviously you're, you're the type of person that's walked your own walk. Yeah and done the things to help your own self i mean is that where a lot of this came from and is it a blend of that and then reading journals i mean where do you keep up with these different it's hard yeah it's hard i think you know some of it started uh when my daughter was born in 2001 she had uh, colic so she she could never get comfortable had to hold her 24 hours a day she was uncomfortable took her to the pediatrician and the pediatrician was like she'll grow out of it give it three or four months you would never say that to an adult who's crying all day long. And that was a big red flag for me. Like, what do you mean just let her get over it? She's bawling, crying. So that forced me to say, you know, I mean, I've been always natural-minded, but i got to go outside the box here. Like, this isn't working. This can't work. And once I got outside that box and I realized, you know what? The, the people who actually embrace health as a holistic entity as opposed to just a pharmaceutical, you know, management or a surgical management – are actually much brighter and i'd much rather align myself with the people who are renegades and like to think the mm-hmm. people who just like to write prescriptions and so for me it was yeah it's most of it is self-taught is finding those resources of people and there's not many of them who give out reliable information and then for me personally it's i would read something and i would try it personally mm-hmm. and then i would try it with patients and yeah. i do a lot of experimentation that way because mm-hmm. that's the only way you know we're ever going to learn something so if i read about Oh, glycine's great for the nervous system. Try it at a thousand milligrams at bedtime. Well, what if we did ten thousand milligrams? Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, it worked this way. Now I'm gonna have three patients do it. Right. And pushing the envelope because the majority of this stuff is very safe. Yeah. You know, and so a lot of it's just experimentation. So one of one of our dear brothers, who's another guy akin to this line of thinking, is Dr. Engel. Yeah. And uh, I know that you guys refer back and forth and talk about different things. And I remember he was out, I was out spending time with him out in LA and he was dealing with a viral load and he's like, oh yeah, uh, Dr. Craig got me on uh, high dose vitamin A therapy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. So I sit down and listen to him and rap with him about that. And then there's, there's things that are available that are just, people are, are sleeping on. So what, what was this vitamin A there? Just as a random, you know, example of something that you uncovered. Yeah. So if you have any sort of upper respiratory infection, cold, common cold, um, you take high, high dose vitamin A for about seven days. First three days, it's 300,000 international units. Most people, if they're taking any vitamin A supplement, are getting 10,000, 15,000 a day. So 300,000, that's a shitload of vitamin A. (laughs) 
And that's then, a that's a medical term, by yeah. the way. A shitload yeah. is three hundred thousand a year. And then you step down to one hundred and fifty thousand. Half a shitload, yeah. just to be clear. And then a quarter <laughs> shitload is seventy five thousand. And for most people, after two days, like they're totally better. And is there so there's fat bound vitamin A, and then there's yeah, like and, powdered, right? Yeah, you know, I I think a great source just to keep it easy for people is cod liver oil. Um, is a great source of, of vitamin A. It's and a shitload. Of, that's a double shitload of cod liver oil. Yeah, no, it's a lot. For. It's yeah. a lot. Um, but it flat out works. And yeah. so I tell people do it a few times a year. Don't do it more than that. I mean, theoretically, there's vitamin A toxicity. I don't know if anyone's ever seen that. Same thing with vitamin D toxicity. Oh, can't get your level above 100. I've had so many people above 100 who had no clue. I think most of it's theoretical. But vitamin A, I think, will play out. Um, to be probably a more important vitamin than actually vitamin D. Vitamin D gets all the press. Everyone's like, oh, vitamin D deficient. But vitamin A is like anchors the immune system um, in a way that vitamin D doesn't. And so that's how I relate to it. Like if you're sick, vitamin A. If you want to build your immune system, like I treat a lot of people with gut disorders, lots of vitamin A. Okay, so acute acute respiratory thing. Yeah. You want, you, you know, let's just let's just get granular here for a second. Yeah. You want that 300,000 step down Three hundred thousand for one week. Step down. Well, no, no, three days. Three days. Yeah, three days at three hundred thousand. Two days at one hundred fifty thousand. Two more days at seventy five thousand. Then done. Okay, so that's your week. That's your week long protocol. Yes. Now, if you just want a maintenance load of vitamin A, or you say just fifteen to twenty thousand. Fifteen to twenty thousand. How much cod liver oil is that roughly? It. I mean, it's going to be probably a tablespoon twice a day. Okay. So tablespoon of cod liver oil, does, uh, is the krill going to be, is the krill going to have any sufficient mm-hmm. load? Most, mostly in the cod liver. Cod liver oil is different than like fish oil, krill, things like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So either cod liver oil or, um, or some vitamin A supplementation right. in general. Yep. Yeah. And you can get it and there's, there's different, you know, it comes from different sources, whether it's fish liver oil, cod liver oil, and then there's a couple plant sources mm-hmm. of uh, vitamin A as well. Yeah. Um, speaking of vitamin d i mean that's got to be another that is another anchor point what levels do you like to see for people who are testing their blood for vitamin d levels at what do you least, like to see? at least 70 between seven high so that i mean you're talking it's five to ten thousand i use a day most people it's going to be more than five i know five gets kind of that's the popular dosage but the thing about vitamin d is we're utilizing so much of it i mean i test people all day long and it's very hard to maintain a, an active you know efficient vitamin d level all these nutrients, it's you know, it's hard. But vitamin D, yeah, seventy or higher. So that's, and I think when people feel that, they're going to start to see a lot of things shift. Yeah, from mood to energy to yeah, everything else. You know, so and getting some sun, obviously, when you're talking about vitamin D, it's another thing. Talk about fear, like we've literally made people afraid, afraid to go outside, afraid to go outside yeah. without slathering some fucking toxins on yeah. your on your body. Well, and the same thing. So. You know, the way I think about it, um, it takes 12 hours for your melatonin level to reset, right? So if you don't get sunlight until 10 a.m., 11 a.m., your melatonin's not going to kick off till what, 12 p.m., 1 a.m.? Mm-hmm. Well, then you're not going to be tired, right? And that feeds into this whole cortisol circadian rhythm, which now you're not getting quality sleep, right? Because we undervalue sleep. We've gotten so far removed from living with the sun and that kind of natural flow. That's the heart of probably most medical problems. You know, is that people just don't sleep, you know? And, and well, that's because they don't get sun. I mean, you can trace it all back because mm-hmm. they don't go outside. It's all artificial light. They go from their house to their car to their office. Yeah. And it's all tinted. Yeah. No sunlight. And I think it's one of the reasons why inherently we go to the beach. 
Yeah. And we we go to the beach and God, we feel fucking good. Yes. You know, a couple of days at the beach and you you just unless you're just crushing high sugar daiquiris all day, right? Then probably you don't feel good. But if you actually go, you got your fucking feet in the sand. Yes. You're in the swimming water. in the ocean. You're getting sunlight. Right. You're sleeping good. You're probably you know your testosterone is going to be boosted from sure. the sun. Your nitric oxide is going to be boosted from the sun. You're probably having more sex. Yeah. You're probably sleeping better. You're probably moving around in the water, walking on the beach yeah and then interesting yeah and then tying it back you know vitamin a and vitamin d in the brain are used in the cannabinoid system you know and that cannabinoid system ties directly to the cortisol system right and mm-hmm. so everything works together like you can't separate this stuff yeah you know and it, and i think a lot of it goes back to you know the downfall of man is electronics right like we've gotten so far away from the natural living and being aware in our environment that that's that's crushing us and and I'm reading a good book now called Sapiens. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've read that. Uh-huh. Talking about, you know, we were actually much smarter people when we were hunter-gatherers, right? Because we had this overall sense of nature, space, time that was vastly different than I have a plot of land and it's mine, I own it, and you got to work it, you yeah. know? I mean, and um, but that, again, it all ties back to getting away from living with the sun and this natural flow of things. So what is, like, talking about the sun, I what is the level where someone actually needs to start worrying about skin cancer let's just try to set the well, fucking yeah. set the mark here i so mean the data says the highest risk risk for melanoma and probably basal cell and squamous cells before the age of 20 so sun exposure before the age of 20 mm-hmm. right and so it makes sense we do need to put sunscreen on um kids babies like, and yeah, yeah i mean their skin is so sensitive um and i do think you know as opposed to sunscreen though why don't we just wear sun protective clothing hats mm-hmm. long sleeve shirts and then take breaks like get sun take a break you don't need to be in the sun for six hours straight yeah you don't need to be lying out baked it's this binge and purgement you know like yeah. binge mentality yeah. of everything like, right. okay get all of your sun for the entire year when you're on that right. fucking five-day vacation to florida right you know yeah so uh, you know does sun exposure cause skin cancer absolutely there's no denying it but to your point we've gone overboard with all the chemicals in the sunscreen and now people again fear right i think a lot of it's driven from fear is oh no i'm in the sun i'm going to get skin cancer right well Mm -hmm. you start that at age 18 that thought now you're 38 oh yeah you got skin cancer people listening to this right now are going to be like fuck because i I remember i was like this like fuck like where do i find a doctor who i can have these conversations with you know that's obviously (laughs) you know you're probably gonna get a lot of people hitting you up (laughs) but like you don't have you know like where where do people go how what 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 can we recommend to the listener here who's like man i want i need some i need a resource right that i can talk to about this there's a good group called acam american college for the advancement in medicine mm-hmm. i used to be a member i'm not anymore and and the the doctor members there seem to have like-minded philosophies of thinking outside of the box more of integrative health um the problem though to tell you the truth though is a lot of doctors are now jumping on the bandwagon when it comes to IVs, hormones, integrative health as a moneymaker. So they're setting up a clinic and saying, oh, yeah, I do all this alternative stuff, all this integrative stuff, and they have no clue what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's the same mindset. It's like the whole supplement industry, right? It's it's the same mindset as the pharmaceutical industry. Oh, you've got high blood pressure. Oh, you need these three supplements. That's the same you know, mindset. as uh, oh, Most of the supplement industry doesn't go after that. They go after fat loss. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Hey, you don't even need to work out. Right. just take these pills take all this yeah green and tea and you'll be great 
if they're lucky green tea yeah. that actually makes some sense yeah <laughs> you know that actually might be helpful yeah. you know but most of the time it's some kind of fucking super high caffeine this fat burning yeah. whatever xenadrin yeah. whatever whatever and it's and it's that's causing another you know basically just stressing your your system out to burn as much as oh. it can make you not hungry yeah. you're probably craving sugar and you're just yeah. literally dried out i mean you see people on these high dose stimulants whether they're, they're fat oh, no. burners or high dose adderalls or yeah you know whatever whatever high dose stimulant they are and they're all right maybe you're losing a little weight but but at what, what cost pro- yeah i remember a patient this was several years ago she said i need to come see him having a lot of headaches really bad headaches for the past month came in she said I, well what's going on her blood pressure was 180 over 120 which is you know fairly high Cer- certainly for her well what have you changed well I was watching Dr. Oz and he recommended these raspberry ketones and uh, oh, the raspberry ketones, that's basically like ephedrine. Good. So you've, you know, you've jacked your blood pressure up to the point you're having crushing headaches. How is that good for you? So to answer your question, where do you find a doctor? It's very challenging, you know, and honestly, it's probably not going to be, again, doctors are not going to be leading the charge here for the most part. Mm -hmm. They're just not. I mean, it's going to be people like you and other people who are willing to talk about these broader issues that uh, our society needs to listen to what do you recommend for people because i think a lot of us have parents or Mm -hmm. friends who are just so locked in the fear model the fear has hooked them deep you know and so even talking to them about doing something that their doctor isn't telling them what to do you know it's it's a very difficult conversation like what do you recommend for people who are kind of locked or want to help somebody you know let's say they're on board i mean what i've learned over the years you have to meet people where they are right like you cannot convince anyone of anything like we're all our own experts right and so it's it becomes a battle if i'm sitting across from a patient trying to convince them you know oh you need to be in ketosis and they're like i don't i don't agree with you okay google says this okay (laughs) i i okay i can't even have that conversation so i think you have to meet people where they are and it's finding small little things that people are probably already doing like most people are taking a multivitamin most people are taking some sort of supplement that okay you you understand that your health is not just based on the six pills you take from your doctor right mm-hmm. okay so you get that so let's then take that a step further you understand that oh if you walk around the block after dinner you feel better yeah. you know it's little little things but you know the generation of our parents grandparents very challenging it's yeah, it's once it's entrenched that deep you know i i've always I've recognized that fear is the one true virus and it spreads yeah. and it's so contagious and, and once it's so powerful and once you're deeply infected with that fear virus it is difficult you know you really have to cure that virus first to cure all yeah. the rest of your other viruses yeah like i had a patient this was years ago and i was giving her bioidentical progesterone and every time she came in to see me she said oh is this is this going to cause breast cancer i'm afraid that the progesterone is going to cause breast it's not but you know, you're. I don't want you to think that way. A couple of years later, her husband comes in. She's got breast cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very powerful. Yeah. And I'm not saying that people cause their cancer, but they certainly contribute. Sure. I mean, and 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 I think that people need to be willing to take responsibility for their health and say, you know, it's not just oh your genes or what your diet. A lot of it's your thoughts. It's that narrative that you run. Well, your thoughts your through epigenetic you know switching your thoughts will change your genes it'll Absolutely. change your genetic expression that's why that's why all that 23 and me and all the fear and shit that came out of from this genetic they're not even actually allowed to talk about 
these genetic right. predispositions anymore because it's not really there like if you tell somebody that, that they're going to get something you know and that has a real effect huge effect there was a study i'm going to get the details wrong which i like to quote people they did um it was a nutritional study they gave a group of swedish women traditional swedish food a group of thai women traditional thai food same caloric content same nutritional content after they ate they drew blood and measured different nutritional markers second part of the study they switched it swedish women ate thai food thai women ate swedish food same thing drew their blood third part of the study they took that swedish food and they pureed it so it never, didn't even look like the food but it was the same exact food same thing with the thai women all three phases of the study had different nutritional values even though it was the exact same nutritional content the highest was when the swedish women ate this traditional swedish food and the thai women ate the traditional thai food conclusion is what you think about your food your thoughts literally change what it does for you mm. that's super powerful i have a practice in in my book once again and i borrowed it from aldous huxley's uh book island did mm-hmm. you ever get a chance to read that book Mm-mm, not yet it's great it's this you know utopian vision of what society could look like holistically from medical to social yeah. to relational to all the different ways that you could build an utopic society and one of the practices they have involves you know their way of saying grace and i've kind of modified that as well to instead of saying grace in some kind of very religious context mm-hmm. like take a moment to create the perfect bite of food mm. your very your very first bite make it as good a bite mm. as possible so if you got the steak and potatoes and yeah. the little spinach and all the savory all the flavor all right make yourself a really good bite and then think about all the food and where it came from think about mm. the cow that was grazing on the ground hopefully it's grass-fed steak so right the cow that was grazing on the grass yeah. and the sun that was hitting the cow and the the way that that was processing the nutrients from the earth and how mm. the grass was drawing up the minerals from the soil right. and soaking in the sun and the water that was going in and the, that fed the meat and then the potatoes where they were from you know collecting all the dense minerals and sure. starches from the and, and all of this and then you know take a moment to mindfully eat that enjoy it appreciate it chew it and also remind yourself that this is nourishment like remind yourself that this is this is fueling your body just as those things that you had were fueled from the soil and fueled from the sun and fueled from the water and create that loop as a protection so that you're both mindful of what you're eating right for one and then also triggering that all right here i go here i am nourishing myself and it's empowering yeah. right like because you're in charge of that process and i think so many people because of fear feel so disempowered when it comes to their health they have no control well we've been told that we're faulty machines yep. and that we're faulty machines and that we're broken mm-hmm. and that we're broken but don't worry yep. there's a solution right not that no actually you're whole you're well you're you're healthy you have the blueprint of being a perfectly functioning energetic yeah. love-filled sex machine yeah you you are that all of us are all of us are yeah and we just have to find the ways to get back to who we truly are it's not that we're broken we need to fix ourselves no we're fixed we just need to support ourselves so that that can actually express itself yeah and so that's why i think all of these different interventional modalities whether it be supplements ivs fitness they're just bridges to get us to the place where we actually can believe that again Mm -hmm. because then we actually feel it you know like you work out and you actually feel really good you're empowered now that you know i was strong i actually accomplished something today that's empowering yeah or you eat a healthy food however you want to define it that's empowering to people or you take supplements and you feel something they're just bridges yep now one area that you know due to a lifelong you know habits of living 
in suboptimal ways. I think fighting the hormone battle is something that I think makes a lot of sense for a lot of people to take a look at supporting. Sure. You know, and there are plenty of natural ways to help support your hormone balance. And I think you try those first. Sure. But as far as supporting the body with hormones, I know that's something you get involved with. Sure. You know, how helpful is that to people in general? I mean, is that one of the main areas you look at? Yeah, I think that uh, the hormonal system is the most influential aspect of human health. And so, you know, if you take the easiest example is testosterone in men, right? Testosterone gets a bad rap because people say, oh, it's for meatheads and bodybuilders and this. But testosterone is critical, critical to a man feeling like a man. You, you don't have that or your level is low, you don't feel like a man. Well, now you bring in fear, you bring in self-doubt, you bring in self, you know, self-worth issues. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're going to go about your day feeling worse than you can. Biochemically, though, um, for testosterone, for men, number one, low testosterone, number one risk factor for heart disease, stroke, dementia, depression, four big bad diagnoses. Low testosterone leads to poor sleep, poor memory, poor energy. I mean, it's very real. The trouble with hormones that I see is that people like to isolate them and they say, oh, you know, just take testosterone. You don't look at the big picture mm-hmm. because there's nothing is an island, right? So testosterone influences estrogen metabolism and cortisol metabolism and thyroid metabolism and having a sense of that whole kind of, I think of it like kids on a playground, right? Different personalities, but it's how they interact. There's some bullies like cortisol. Cortisol is a bully. Insulin, that's a bully on the playground. Testosterone's a happy kid, having fun, right? People mm-hmm. like to be around testosterone. <laughs> um, it's those interactions. Well, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes well, a little too, too much testosterone. Too, yeah. too loud testosterone. Yeah, yeah. The kid is being too loud is obnoxious. Yeah, right. but but those interactions what define us. And then, you know, we can test and monitor these things. But it's not just about the numbers. I have a patient. He's in his eighties, ex Secret Service Marine. Um, been on testosterone for a long time and he is so focused on the number he wants to get his blood checked every six weeks whether his testosterone is a thousand or 200 doesn't matter he tells me he doesn't feel good it's like what are you doing then why are you even measuring these levels and i think for these hormones it's there's a sweet spot and it's Mm -hmm. finding how people feel and relating that to their numbers because you know there's a good book by um robert sapolsky a sociologist from stanford Uh wrote uh, the trouble with testosterone Right. He also wrote Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. That's a more famous book. Trouble with testosterone uh, is that, you know, they, I'm going to mess up the details, but he studied baboons. There's a, you know, the alpha male has the highest level of testosterone. Um, then there's the number five in the pecking order. He has the lowest. Well, those two, number one, to number five, have the shortest lifespan. Why? Because of the stress involved with trying to maintain the highest level of testosterone at number one, and at number five, trying to get to number one. Mm-hmm. The very best place is number three, right in the middle. And it's another one of those psychosomatic connections as well, because I've, you know, I've looked at they've looked at studies too where your posture will actually affect testosterone mm-hmm. levels. Like yeah. you, you measure like a really hunched over, submissive posture, and you check testosterone versus this. Put your arms mm-hmm. out like you're fucking Conan the Barbarian, right. and you're just slathered in bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and you you go out and you look like that, and your yeah. testosterone's actually going to be measured it's higher, higher at that point. Yeah, and and they've shown t- testosterone's a biosocial hormone. So if you're around people with higher testosterone, it will actually raise your testosterone. Man, I knew I liked hanging with Tim Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was a good reason yeah. for that. That's funny. Yeah, that's a. Uh, so hormones are really important, super, mm-hmm. super important. I think that the trouble with hormones is 
number one, we get into that cancer conversation where people are afraid, oh, hormones cause cancer. That's not true. Cancer is not caused by a linear equation, right? Too much estrogen causes cancer. That's not true. They're actually studies using estrogen to treat breast cancer. Same thing with testosterone. People say, oh, testosterone causes prostate cancer. Bullshit. Who gets prostate cancer? Men when they're farthest away from their testosterone levels being high. Mm. So it's not linear. There may be some correlation between exacerbating existing tumors you know, like, like, I, like assisting, isn't there some studies on like, if you have an existing tumor mm-hmm. and then you take a bunch of growth hormone or something like that. Growth hormone's different. Growth hormone's different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Growth but hormone's maybe, so maybe it's not even testosterone. But. Well, testosterone, I think the issue with testosterone is testosterone converts into estrogen. As men get older, um, we make more estrogen and less testosterone. For the prostate, our prostate seems to be more sensitive to that estrogen than testosterone. Well, doctors don't know how to manage testosterone, so they're prescribing testosterone but not man- measuring estrogen levels. I saw a patient years ago, uh, he was given, you know, this guy, this other doctor was giving him a topical cream of testosterone at 500 milligrams a day. That is a buttload of testosterone every day. 500 milligrams. Notice another medical term. Yeah. 500 milligrams. Yeah. That is a buttload. Yes. It's Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. <laughs> different but, than a fuckload, yeah. which was. But his estrogen level was higher than many women. And he came in, he's like, I'm, I'm crying. I'm emotional. Well, My nipples you, are sore. Yeah. It's because your estrogen level, but the doctor didn't know how to manage it. Right. And so he just gave him tons of testosterone because, oh, testosterone is supposed to be good for people. So it's really about doing it in a safe way. You know, and then you have these people who are 18, 19, 20. Who are saying, oh, I'm going to use testosterone growth hormone and get super big and super strong. Well, then they burn out their receptors. Mm-hmm. And so now when they're 35, they need a ton of testosterone just to make up for it. Well, a ton of testosterone means a ton of estrogen. Yeah. So there's always downstream effects. Yeah. And that's, and that's really the, the idea is don't look at these things in isolation. Exactly. And that's another big problem with the medical model, like looking at things in isolation. Oh, it's all in Even isolation. the, you know, like the blood pressure medication is another one that just boggles my mind you know because they're you're treating something as an isolated symptom yes people with heart disease have high blood pressure but the high blood pressure is generally caused by arterial plaques and other issues like that the the blood pressure itself is not the problem so you get these weird diagnoses where you get people prescribed statins and people told to stay away from salt even before they have heart disease because of the correlation between blood pressure and heart disease but it's actually not the blood pressure that's fucking causing the heart disease at all in the first place right you know it's a totally different system it's the high sugar diets that are causing the fat buildup in in the liver and causing the fat buildup in the in the arteries those very dense ldl particles that are getting jammed up in your arteries that's actually causing the heart disease it's not the fucking sea salt man it's not and then what i like to think about is where do we make most of our hormones it starts with cholesterol so when we look at people in their 40s and 50s and they have elevated cholesterol why is that well it's because their hormones are low mm-hmm. and so it's the body's response to making more cholesterol to make up for a low testosterone and so if you then take a and we now have it a generation of people who have put on statin drugs and we've knocked out their cholesterol well, of course they're going to feel like shit because they have no hormones circulating yep. and that then is more stressful and then you know a ton of research i put in the book too on eating cholesterol yeah eating cholesterol actually helps your cholesterol ratio yes like dietary cholesterol is a fucking superfood right and it's so annoying to me because yeah. i'll go i'll still go to like a nice hotel and you'll look at the healthy menu and it's all fucking egg whites fuck oh. your egg whites fuck so your egg dumb. whites you're taking the superfood out of the fucking egg right well it's like people say oh don't eat egg yolk because it has just bad cholesterol bullshit nothing has just bad of anything there is no such thing as right. bad dietary cholesterol. I, I it's just agree. cholesterol. Right, I know. It is just cholesterol. Yeah. 
and and that's the thing that people are getting wrong dietary cholesterol does not correlate to vldl cholesterol in fact it actually transfers your low ldl cholesterol the cholesterol that is bad the small right. boats that carry the cholesterol right. into the cell it actually by eating more cholesterol it turns it into the positive parts of the cholesterol that's right. actually nourishes the system that yeah. nourishes the hormone system yeah no it's true and then they've done studies low too low cholesterol is early death causes all, all kinds, kinds of, of problems shit. All kinds of problems. All kinds and that of whole thing with the statins has totally been manipulated by the pharmaceutical. That's a great example of science gone wrong and saying, oh, and there's one group of people who have benefited from a statin drug. People who've had a prior heart attack. Lowering their cholesterol does help prevent a second heart attack. And what they've done, they said, oh, well, if it helps prevent a second one, it must help prevent a, a first one, mm -hmm. which has been bullshit. Again, yep. the number one risk factor for a man for a heart attack is low testosterone. It, it's the same thing with the same thing with salt, right? Like. Yeah the saying that salt is bad for the heart which Ugh. is what everyone's put out there is just false yes if you're fucking hanging on by a thread sure and you really need your blood thin as shit because sodium is going to help your body hydrate it's going to help your cells store more water absolutely so it's going to increase it's going to make your blood thick absolutely. it's going to increase your blood pressure okay got it if yeah. you need to fucking thin that thing out because you're barely hanging on i get it right low sodium that makes sense right but if you're a healthy motherfucker you need those electrolytes you need those Absolutely. nutrients in your body and that's yeah. where this weird correlation game oh it's has just all gone correlation askew. it's all correlation yeah and yeah. and we're starting to unravel that it's just taking so much time which is which is crazy with the the availability of information but the problem is information splashes against the wall of fear yep and then you don't even accept the information because your fear is primary right well, and that's why I wonder, not to be a conspiracy theorist, will the pharmaceutical industry let MDMA come out in 2021? They can't stop the process. You know, but it's a good question. Because they live and die by that same preclinical safety leads to phase one pilot, leads right. to phase two general efficacy, leads to phase three, you know, proof, you know, phase three proof. Mm -hmm. Once we're in the medical system, you would have to basically tear down, you'd have to tear down the model by which they make their livelihood in order to attack the efficacy right. of the drug and i think they're just going to have to adapt they probably they probably some of them are probably a little stressed but then they also realize you know there's fucking plenty of people who are still going to be afraid plenty of people like oh. the market you know they ain't they're they're gonna be all right you know fucking they're oh, well, gonna they're gonna eat you're right i mean pfizer's gonna eat oh pfizer's gonna eat Pfizer will have six other drugs. and guess what just keep making stuff like viagra <laughs> good job yeah, yeah, yeah. like exactly. good job right you know lifestyle medication yeah for yeah. sure fucking cure more stds right like go go for it go right. wild right like do, there's useful drugs there's de definitely thank useful you drugs. for the useful drugs right. just focus on those please right right but the entity the problem with these pharmaceuticals and even you know i've i worked in you know uh in uh in pharma for a little while i was working with a company out of edmonton that was making um potential therapeutic like immune immunotherapies for ovarian cancer okay and they made it through phase two and they had some interesting data and then they were going through phase three it ended up not panning out in the phase three trials but they were really good meaning individuals just trying to put forward a good drug but the problem is when it gets to the really big guys mm. then it becomes an entity and that entity has its own desires to feed it has a lot of people with oh, salaries sure. it has a lot of employees it has stock it has pressure from the investors it has a stock price it has yeah and what it needs to feed is profits it needs to feed itself right. through profits and so you have to look at these 
like animals that are trying to support all of their extremities and limbs and they don't want to cut off an arm right to survive they want to continue to grow they want to continue to expand so they're just going to try and feed it with more profit so you have to look at these not as like a bunch of evil people but as no. an entity like a collective that has decided that it's just going to grow at all cost you right. know and it's just going to feed itself with more and more profits right yeah i don't think i mean people say oh the doctors are evil or pharmaceutical companies are evil i don't i don't buy into that at all they're, no they're I don't just either. doing their job i mean they're doing what they know yeah and they just have a different mindset we don't have to support it but they're on a and the people path. and the people will lead you know when the people and and i think it's the same with politics as well mm-hmm. like we can focus all of our efforts on the organizations you know and say like oh, these they should know better they should do it no bullshit the people need to lead and right. if people stop showing up and saying if people are like no i'm not going to do that i'm going to try something else then the companies will adapt the right. entities will adapt the politicians will adapt sure like we have to be the movement we have to be in oh, the yeah, forefront yeah. And let everything else react accordingly. Yeah, that makes me think of uh, vaccines. So, you know, this whole vaccine issue, like I think I'm the only doctor in Charleston, South Carolina, who will write a medical exemption for parents who want to either delay or, you know, keep those vaccines at bay for a while. You must get a lot of shit for that. I don't. And here's why. Because I take seriously the conversation I have with a patient is protected health information. Mm -hmm. And it is privileged. And no one no one has access to that but me and the patient Mm. right and so i don't care what the school says or what the health department says about we need to know why no you don't and and i take it to the nth degree what if that child has cancer or aids right and you know now as a school that that child you're going to treat that child differently and that is absolutely wrong Mm. you know and that it can't be like that like and i think that's sacred that conversation between the doctor and the patient but when you have a government that's enforcing vaccines injections into children without any conversation saying oh just trust us that's that's a very slippery slope very dangerous so this is this is a conversation that always gets people fucking riled up and i think because there's so much fear and so much it's fear-based what do you recommend to parents who are just like what the hell should i do because there's so much strong opinion on it is very polarizing so here's how i look at it i think if you look at vaccines as a whole the majority of them are safe and effective. If you look worldwide at reducing communicable disease, they work. But there's probably anywhere from 2 to 5% of children who will have an adverse reaction to that a particular vaccine. I know that the, the biggest uh, wave that people talk about with vaccines is the thimerosal or mercury in these vaccines, which are causing, leading to autism or other problems. I don't think it's that. Like, There's more mercury from jet fuel that falls down on us every single day than that being in a vaccine. Mm-hmm. I think the issue is... Uh, the vaccines that are grown on human tissue, varicella and MMR. If you were to get a kidney transplant, right, we'd have to wipe out your immune system for you to accept that kidney. If you give a vaccine to a child that's grown on human tissue, we do nothing to that child's immune system. So, of course, statistically, there's going to be some, you know, incompatibilities. That's mm-hmm. not a big deal. And why is it wrong for a parent to question that and want to delay? The longer we delay the more mature that immune system is. So I go down all the, the vaccines. Hepatitis B, I think it's really important um, because hepatitis B leads to liver cancer, right? But does a child when they're born need hepatitis B vaccine? No, it's a blood-borne disease. Wait till they're a teenager. Why do we yeah. have to rush it? Um, you know, tetanus. We haven't seen tetanus in 100 years. Diphtheria, same thing. Pertussis is treatable. Like we can hold off on these ones. I think the most important one is polio. Even though it's super rare, it's because if your child gets polio, it's devastating. Yeah. Right. The vaccine seems safe. Do a polio shot. Yeah. 
Um, and I tell parents I would I would delay or seriously consider not even doing the live vaccines. Varicella, chickenpox, chickenpox is not a big deal, and MMR. Um, we don't need it. Like, and and then the critics will say, well, you know, we're going to have pockets every couple of years of kids getting measles and mumps, and we do. But guess who also gets measles and mumps? Kids who are vaccinated. So mm-hmm. it's not this you know straightforward approach. So what I tell parents is, number one, the most important is that both parents are on the same page because yeah. this causes marital distress. And I've seen it so many times in my office where one parent is anti-vaccine, the other parent is pro-vaccine. And that's just discord they don't need to have. So get on the same page, even if it means you wait. Like, what are you worried about? Why are, you, why are we rushing this stuff and saying it has to be at two months, four months, six months, nine months? Like, it seems like an unnecessary stress in an already stressful it's time. It's very stressful. And what I don't like about it is you have you know both opposite ends of the spectrum. You have the anti-vaccine people who say, all vaccines are bad. That's absolutely false. And then you have the public health people say all vaccines are amazing. Well, that's false too. Why can't we have a discussion? I mean, I, I don't understand. Yeah. Like I had a patient, like this sounds crazy, but this just happened a year ago. The parents called me and they said, okay, our child's due for uh, the DTAP vaccine, diphtheria, mm-hmm. tetanus, pertussis. And they said, um, we want to do one that's a different brand. We asked the doctor, we'll get the vaccine, but can you do a different brand? No. Okay, can we buy a case and bring it to you? You'll still document you're giving it our child. No, in fact, we won't do it. And you need to leave our practice. Like it's such a polarizing, uh, you know, discussion. I don't even understand it. So I tell parents, take your time. Like, don't rush. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're traveling to some third world country, sure, sure. But if you're who's bringing a six month old to there anyway, right? Yeah, so. right. Yeah, it's interesting how some discussions, even even having these discussions, are just freak people out and how people get so binary with their thinking it's that fear and i tell people the vaccine the whole idea of vaccination is the herd theory right you vaccinate the herd it protects everyone right or mostly everyone and what the parents who vaccinate i don't understand then why they're upset if johnny over there doesn't have his vaccine your child's protected why do you care what happens with johnny right if you really believed your vaccine worked it wouldn't matter what happened to johnny it's because it's that fear and they can't help themselves yep that's the virus once it gets yeah. you it affects your thinking it affects your body it infects all aspects of your being but it gets all of us i mean it's uh, it's it's the journey we all have to go through yeah individually to figure out how to how to keep it at bay die to your fear and learn to find that thing, surrender and find that thing called love that's right yeah and you find that and then then, then you have a real guide star absolutely yeah just like we're talking about like death is the beginning right so <laughs> yeah indeed indeed my brother so what else you know as we wrap up here you know what are some of the other things that you think people are just fucking sleeping on you know like if if the people need to take a good hard look at that they might not be aware of we talked about hormones we talked Mm -hmm. about vitamin a vitamin d the 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 free doctors that are available yeah like what are some other things that that can really help somebody that people are sleeping on i mean number one for people to pay attention we we touched on it is the mitochondria i mean this Mm -hmm. is the plethora of research in terms of all the big bag diagnoses as well as performance and health pay attention to mitochondria pay attention to nad because it's it's just gonna explode in the next year year and a half in terms of what we understand it can do again though i think a lot of the focus now is ketogenic diet intermittent fasting um you know time restricted feeding you know working on that mitochondria I will say this though that uh, you know all of these things they talk about promoting longevity. A lot of those studies are done though in species of 
animals who live short lifespans, like a mouse, right? So if you put them on a intermittent fasting, you can increase that lifespan by like 40%. For humans, we're a couple of years. So yeah. I think for people to start thinking about, to put this in perspective, because this is the trend, right? Ketogenic diet, intermittent fasting, how we're going to change our diet to increase lifespan. We also have to take into account quality of life. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to just live longer. No, I want to live better now. Right. And so I think a lot of these therapies seek to just extend life, but at what price? Mm-hmm. And I think people need to keep that in context because it's becoming very popular. I mean, I'm asked all the time about ketosis. Well, and- it's just rampant fear of death too. You want to like live, yeah. live forever. I, yeah. You know, if someone wanna, wants to make me a deal, another 36 healthy years where I'm fucking got energy and hormones and I feel great and I'm bouncing out at 72 to the other side, okay, cool. Yeah. Where do I fucking sign? Right. I'll sign that motherfucker Absolutely. right now. Right. I don't need to live forever. No. You know, the other side is beautiful. Absolutely. You know, I, I can't speak forever. I can't give you proof, but I feel like I've seen that thing. Sure. You know, I feel like I've crossed over that bridge and gone over the threshold and it's fucking peaceful. And it's full of love. And it's and it's, it's the most peaceful. It's the most peaceful. Right. And, and okay, cool. So now how about let's fucking love our life. Let's love each other. Right. Let's help each other. Let's enjoy this experience. Not just be skidding, you know, towards an, an, a terminal end that we're terrified of right. the whole way, grasping to every piece of life so that we're not actually even living at all. That's no, no way to do it. No way at all. I think something else people can pay attention to which I value a lot is, is cortisol and stress. I think the mm-hmm. stress that we endure from a young age until, you know, we can handle it. We can handle not sleeping. We can handle eating poorly, going out, drinking, you know, destroying our bodies only to a certain point, right? And then it catches up with us. And the problem isn't so much that, oh, you, you know, you feel bad when you wake up from a hangover. It's if you deplete your cortisol reserve over time, what happens then when a loved one dies or you lose your job? A real stress happens, Right that's when people break and that's when bad things happen right and so protecting that and preserving that through mindfulness practices and yeah because the thing is like most of us as soon as we feel decent it's fucking party time Woo! i feel decent right you know let's go crush the body right because now i got the energy to fucking destroy myself yeah yeah yeah. and uh, i've been in that pattern and i think most of us have have. rather than taking the opportunity to really build in the times of in the times of plenty in the right, times of right. abundance and when things are good like yeah rest extra like sleep more love right. better like take take vacations not when you absolutely fucking bleeding need it but maybe like to support yourself when you're well so you can build up those those energetic reserves so that yeah because yeah. the universe is going to dial in some fucking curveballs they're going to be oh they're going to be they're going to be spitting on that base there's going to be vaseline and sandpaper and fucking screwballs and ephuses yeah. and all kinds of things for you to swing at and miss and get crushed by yeah you know so i like the way you said that. and that's what i tell patients you're, you're going to be thrown curveballs that's yeah. a part of life expect it and prepare for that you yeah because if you prepare for that you're going to be better served no yeah. doubt Man, it's been one of my favorite podcasts ever. Oh, awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, Where can people find you? They can find me if they go to coniverwellness.com. That's with a K, everybody. K-O-N-I-V-E-R, Conover Wellness. Dope. Thanks for coming on. And thanks for, um, I know we got the fast vitamin IV, one of your babies that's coming in for some IV vitamin therapy and glutathione. And you've been a huge help to my life personally. So just so much gratitude for you, for what you're doing Mm. for the world, what you're doing for me, and now what you're doing to the people here on the podcast. Thank you, Aubrey. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, man. All right. I hope and trust you guys are as fired up about living a fully expressed, healthy, love-filled life after listening to this podcast as I am right now. 
And I encourage you all, if you haven't yet, please check out my book, Own the Day, Own Your Life. I referenced it a bunch of times in this podcast. It really goes into a lot of the things we discussed here, all the free doctors that are available. All you got to do is take the minimum effective dose, get that sunlight, get that movement, get that hydration, get that sleep. Covers all the studies on cholesterol and on dietary health. It's got all the science, over 300 references that are clinically and academically based. Please check it out if you haven't yet ownthedaybook.com. Thank you so much for all the support for the book so far. We're number one on Amazon for exercise and fitness, and we're just getting started. You guys are the fucking best. Again, go to ownthedaybook.com, and I'd love to hear your feedback. At Aubrey Marcus, you can find me everywhere. Love you guys.